This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It's June 9th, 1628, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Aria, Rebecca, and Ali, the Retrospectors. So it was on this day that an Englishman named Thomas Morton earned the dubious honour of becoming the first person to be deported from what is now the United States. But at the time was the Plymouth Colony, which was run by Puritans who were a kind of rebellious, uber-Protestant sect of Christianity who had basically been forced to leave England because their beliefs were so harsh and intolerant. And they didn't like Thomas Morton. Why? They didn't like any kind of sensual, earthly pleasure whatsoever. I mean, this is the same kind of school of thought which led to Oliver Cromwell banning mince pies. Think that. (laughs) And one of my favourite things about Thomas Morton was the way that he was described in uh, the Encyclopedia Britannica as one of the most picturesque of the early British settlers in colonial America. That seems a very odd way to rank colonialists, doesn't it? I know. Of all the ways that you could possibly divide... But they may have carved up Chicago. Who was the fittest? (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, though, at the time, it was not difficult to make yourself known as a kind of sparkling, exciting bon vivant because the American colonies at the time were dominated by harsh, joyless Puritanism. (laughs) I hope you're not saying that Puritanical explorers were somehow, you know, drab. I mean, I don't want to give Puritans a bad name for being Puritanical, obviously. <laughs> but just because they're no fun doesn't mean they're not hot. <laughs> uh, so, therefore, if he was a, a, a colonist, he wasn't just the first person to be kind of exported from the United States. He was one of the first Europeans to be imported there, presumably. He did it both ways. <laughs> yeah, so just to give a brief background on him... He was from Devon, he studied the law, and he was working for the governor of Plymouth, Plymouth, UK, and basically decided to go and look after this guy's interests in America. Mm. The Mm. opportunity to try your luck in the States, from England at the time, must have been quite exciting, because you had bubonic plague still bubbling up again occasionally, you had (laughs) religious divides tearing the country apart, you know, and then you had this huge new world to explore. You can see why someone with connections who think they could make a life for themselves would think, yes, I'm going to go for that. Although terrifying as well, because of you mm. knew that there were a lot of things that you just could have had no idea about, you know, what sorts of diseases and vermin and like big creatures you might encounter. I just think it would have been frightening as well, well as exciting. It didn't slow down Morton because he rocked up in America on the equivalent of a party bus. He brought 30 <laughs> indentured servants with him and he set up a settlement that was called Merrymount that was basically on the edge of Plymouth Colony where all the Puritans were living on land that had been given to him by the local native people who were the Algonquians and just set about really rubbing the Puritans the wrong way. <laughs> well, that's because his interests were he was an educated man, he was liberal by the standards of the time, he was mates with Ben Johnson, the playwright, and that was unusual, I suppose, in a colonist. He did actually have the same general goal that the rest of the settlers had. He made no bones about it. He thought that the Native Americans should live you know, a settled life and convert to Christianity. But his point was, you're not going to do that by 
just hating them constantly and you know fighting them half the time he was actually a big admirer of the Native Americans and what he saw in them was something that was similar to you know he was from Devon and in the West Country they still held on at that time to a lot of the pre-Christian like pagan rituals and revelry and all this sort of folklore and one of the main things that basically that caused the tensions with the Puritans to boil over was the May Day celebration which was still a big thing in the English villages at the time Mm, still is by the way <laughs> yeah. There's no shortage of Morris men in the West Country now. <laughs> I mean, I think the modern village dweller probably doesn't consider May Day the highlight of their social calendar in the way that you might have in the 17th century. It's certainly not the only way to find a wife. I'm just saying it's, <laughs> you know, it's still a summer fate, isn't it? Yeah. But it's astonishing how impactful it was because I, I read this thing from the New England Historical Society that said, had it not been for this May Day party with a giant maypole, Thomas Morton might have established a New England colony more tolerant, easygoing and fun than the dour Puritan neighbours created in Plymouth Plantation. You know, it, it was like this this maypole and this may festivity really looms large over his story in a really unexpected way right one party rebecca or an annual celebration uh so it was an annual celebration but it was only the second one that caused everything to blow up so the first one the puritans were like what the hell is going on here i think to be fair i think the natives were probably like, what's going on here <laughs> i think there's a lot to distract everybody there was bells you know there were songs yeah well i mean the local native americans were actually there which was yet another problem from the puritan perspective it was, you know, a mixing of the two cultures. There was drinking, there were drinking songs, and there was, crucially, this incredibly idolatrous maypole in, in the eyes of the Puritans. It was 80 foot tall, which I think is quite impressive at the time, and it was topped with a pair of antlers, which, again, it's hard to imagine that Thomas Morton didn't realise that this would be seen as a gigantic pagan idol. And they <laughs> frolicked around the maypole and they drank, and according to the Puritans, you know, they were having, you know, orgies of free love with Indian maids, etc. That is not like May Day in the West Country these days. <laughs> <laughs> it's very much like jam and scones, bland tea. Bobbing for apples. All of those things would have been banned under the Puritans, though. (laughs) Possibly that would be intense revelry of the kind. It's just absolutely not sanctioned. (laughs) Too fun. Uh, And when the militia arrived to arrest Thomas Morton, Morton claims that he decided to surrender himself to avoid bloodshed, but the Puritan governor of Plymouth Colony said that all of his soldiers were too drunk to fight back, and that's why they ended up surrendering him, which seems about right, to be honest. But you see, this whole kind of accusation that he was pagan because that's basically what they got him for wasn't it i wonder how much of that really was because he was supposedly having orgies or because this kind of uh, pole that he erected looked pagan and how much was just actually because he obviously had a different relationship with the environment there than a lot of colonists had previously had as you said he he was sympathetic to the natives and actually mm. if you read what he wrote at the time it's all about his kind of spiritual connection with the scenery, which when you think that he comes from Devon and landed in Massachusetts, they're not that different. They kind of look the same. Both picturesque. Right, yes. (laughs) So this picturesque man was walking through this familiar picturesque landscape. What tipped it for him was something deeper, wasn't it? Like he really liked being there in a way that I kind of feel like you're not supposed to if you're there to civilise the natives, you know? The way Morton interacted with the Native Americans was obviously a threat to the social order that the Puritans trying to establish, but also the economical order as well, because so much of their trade with the Indians was based on basically just screwing them over and saying, hey, look, this we'll just take all of this stuff of yours off your hands. Here's some, like, shiny things. But, you know, obviously they weren't involved in an economy with the Europeans. So they didn't really know the difference. And Thomas Morton was trading them weapons 
weapons in exchange for their furs. And he was basically showing them how valuable their furs were to the Europeans. So mm. they were no longer willing to trade for, you know, pins. Do you think <laughs> even now it might be why Americans aren't really taught about him? You know, that th- there was this controversy about what he established there. Yeah, he, he was actually kind of suppressed from history pretty early on. Uh, in 1637, he published a memoir called New English Canaan about his experiences. There's a letter from, I think it's from John Adams to Thomas Jefferson, where he talks about how excited he is that he's got his hands on a copy of New English Canaan and that he'd been looking for it for like 50 years. And he wasn't really included in the story of America until this short story by a US novelist, Nathaniel Hawthorne, in 1837, whose short story, The Maypole of Merrymount, really does try to dig into what the old understanding of kind of boring Puritans versus exciting, interesting, hippie Merrymount, what the truth of it was. And and this short story is kind of seen as the first effort to problematize and question whether the old history is an accurate summary of his his stuff there. And to say, look, both of these groups of people were really facing persecution and seeking refuge in a new part of in this entirely new land. And there was more commonality to them than we might think looking back. So what happened was that he was banished from the colonies, but they didn't want to keep him in prison until a ship could take him back to England because they thought he had too many allies and that they might try and bust him out. So they basically marooned him on this really desolate island where he had to wait for a ship to take him back to England. But guess what? His allies came and, and, well, they didn't bust him out, but they supplied him. Native Americans came and, you know, gave him all of the booze and foodstuffs that he needed to to continue to subsist before the, the ship came. When he got back to England, he actually sued the Massachusetts Bay Company who ran the colony in court and won, although nothing ever really happened because of the English Civil War breaking out. Well, and also, like, he was in England. I mean, you can't sue a company from Massachusetts in 1628 when you're thousands of miles away, can you? Like, the minute we get our hands on you, we're going to take <laughs> yeah. some of your stuff. That's basically what happened, Jack. You owe us Canada. Yeah. <laughs> Tomorrow. Surely a sash is the least appropriate thing to wear when you're pulling on an oar. <laughs> Love the show? Support the show. Patreon.com slash Retrospectors. Part of the ACAST Creator Network. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.